We are back for another Extra Hop TME podcast from the War Room. We have most of the usual crew here. Everyone uh, want to say hi real quick? Hi, it's Chris, Terry, Brent, Ryan, Shama, Heath, and I am Colin, not shockingly. Uh, we're here to chat about things that we've been up to, things that uh, we're working on as a group, travel that's happened, all that kind of stuff. So uh, thanks for joining us, and folks, what's new and exciting? Uh, I think Heath was traveling recently. I was. I was over in Chicago at the, uh, the IHT Squared Institute for Health and Technology Transformation Conference. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected on, to be on a panel to talk about some of the security issues that are kind of facing our healthcare organizations today. We talked about how to be proactive in an organization that has a lot of patient data. And then, of course, we talked about a lot of the most recent um, um, exposures and breaches, such as Systema, Anthem. And then, of course, T-Mobile came up a, a couple of times. It was very informal about, you know, I don't know, about 15 or 20 people um, uh, around uh, and, you know, had an opportunity to speak to a couple of people at the booth. And then we did our panel. It was very uh, in, informal and, um, of course, uh, intimate because of the small amount of people, but um, a really, really amazing discussion. So um, I was really happy that I attended, and I think a lot of people got uh, a lot of benefit out of the discussion. What Sweet. were some of their uh, specific concerns or, like... What sort of questions were they asking? You know, um, some of it was, uh, you know, how, sh how should we actually protect some of this data, right? Mm -hmm. um, how can we be proactive? And then, of course, as some of these larger organizations, um, uh, healthcare organizations, um, are sharing patient data between uh, different organizations, mm. um, how can they make sure that that data is secure? How can they make sure that the things that they have that are valuable to them um, remain secure, especially as we're starting to see more mo mobile devices kind right. of enter. Yeah. And, you know, um, and of course, uh, as some of the EHRs kind of come online and become much more popular today, like Epic and Practice Fusion, and of course, um, and as now a requirement this year that they, they have electronic records, mm -hmm. that, um, you know, it's, it's totally a different ballpark now. It's not paper records anymore. I mean, all this stuff is is definitely a digital form, right? Yeah, the requirement for electronic records is a big deal, and the fact that, like you just said, you combine the already serious <coughs> implications for complication that come with electronic records with the even larger wrinkle of mobile and remote, and you know, people are sharing this information across multiple oh, yeah. locations and geographies and well, all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And also, they're now starting to share it with the end user, right? Absolutely. So yes. you're increasing your attack surface like exponentially yeah. when you start exposing it. Yeah, in fact, it's Swedish. I can go and pull up my my entire health record from my chart, right? Yeah. And you know, it's it's there for mm -hmm. me to log in at any time. I just went and saw a doctor and got blood work the whole bit, and the next day I'm logging in via my phone to see what the results uh, were and stuff. And that's a very different world. It is a different world. And, you know, a lot of people were um, wondering, you know, how, how, how do they do a carrot stick kind of model, right? Sure. Where you implementing policy versus actually giving, um, you know, people who are actually on the floor, you know, working um, and doing line of work things, um, the ability to actually stay productive, right? Um, because sure. with, with the stick and policies and compliance um, come, you know, making sure that nurses are still working and that they have the tools, uh, the technological tools necessary to keep working, right? And then, of course, we talked a little bit about monitoring and things of that nature as well, because as you point out, Colin, um, you know, with, with the breadth of access to this information right. comes a lot of responsibility, right? Yeah, it's a very different world. And I think part of the real trials in the next several years will be that a lot of the organizations that are currently responsible for that sense of data mm -hmm. aren't used to the challenges that the rest of us are. Yeah. A lot of us that have worked in kind of the IT space for a long time are used to the whole mobile access, or, you know, uh, remote devices, all those sorts of things. 
And suddenly the healthcare yeah. industry has to think about that a but lot more than they have. There's also a huge regulatory piece of this, yeah. right? I mean, we can argue about, you know, finance versus government versus healthcare, which yeah. one is more regulated. But when you think about things like, um, you know, your bank account and things like that, you can't just go and get a new healthcare record, right? Yeah. You can't go, uh, you know, and easily erase things like this like you could with a credit card. So those are really top of mind discussions for a lot of mm -hmm. the, the attendees. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, that, this all reminds me, two weeks ago I was over, I was over in Boston for... CIO synergy, and it was probably 50-50 healthcare and then and non-healthcare, and security was one of the, the topics of discussion there. And you kind of are in a catch-22 because you've got this extremely sensitive data, you've got it locked into these silos, but now you've got patients, you've got other care providers that want to share all this data, Absolutely. but now you're opening mm -hmm. up additional vectors for that to be stolen. Absolutely. And, you know, they healthcare is a really targeted, um, is a targeted place right now, and you know, gone are the days where you've got phishing attacks where they blast an email out to everybody because, you know, these are getting really selective in how they're going about it and um, and it's and it's happening all the time. Like I said, don't put all your security eggs in one basket. Right. You know, you need a very comprehensive list of, of security vendors because if you're vulnerable to one or if you're, you only have one and they're, right. you know, and they have a vulnerability, you're kind of screwed. Things are, go downhill fast. Are they turning to traditional security tools or are there a subset that are rising out as selective healthcare security? You know, it was, it was a pretty good mix. Um, I think a lot of people were there to, to get answers. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people were there to see what if what they were doing was right. Okay. Um, so I think it's still a, a pretty good mix. Um, I think one thing that surprised a lot of people was um, with if you take take some of the recent um, uh, exploits and whatnot mm -hmm. and breaches, the, the amount of time that people spent on their networks or they actually realized that something had, had happened, right? At, at Timo, for example, it took them two days to realize this, plus or minus, right? right. Um, they were fortunate enough that they were able to do it their own, their, on their own, rather. Yeah. Like the Sistema one, that data was sitting out there for months. It was just some random, you know, gentleman who actually came across this in AWS. And none of that was malicious, right? Um, it, it's funny. And, you know, the Anthem one, and there's a couple of other really good examples. Cancer Care is another one where a lady lost her laptop. Again, not malicious, but honestly, the, the fact that that data was not encrypted and things of that nature, <coughs> it shocked a few people, but also it didn't surprise anyone. And I think that's just kind of part and parcel where the healthcare industry is overall, is that they're still learning some of this stuff. They're still trying to figure out um, workflow and making sure that they're not, you know, taking people out of the workforce in the, in the way way of, you know, hey, my laptop's encrypted now and now I can't do anything. Or like Brent, it takes him like 15 minutes to log onto his computer because it's, of encryption. It's true. Right? So, painful experience to watch. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That laptop is uh, not long for this world, I think, perhaps. My point is, is it's a fine balance, right? Yeah. Uh, and, of securing and, and making sure that people are still able to work, right? Yeah. And hospital setting, um, terminals are shared by so many users. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so if somebody forgets to log off, you know, it's an open... <laughs> <laughs> open door, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's so many vectors and factors that play into this, and I think one of the things that it's interesting to me uh, is that it's kind of in the infancy for the healthcare industry um, as far as this role of security and electronic records and all those, those things go, where a lot of other industries have been doing it for a long time. So it's interesting to me to see how they play mm -hmm. catch up and what they do with those things yeah. and the focused solutions that come out and that kind of and, stuff. And I, I learned during this, this talk as well that um, your healthcare information is actually about 10 times more valuable than any of the financial data that you actually own or wow. kind of don't own, right? And the reason is, is because 
the, the exploit and the use of that data takes a lot longer um, and is there's so many actors at play in that, in that data mm. that there's no real good validation, right? If you sure. go and get a prescription, right, they check your ID, but That's that could have it. been falsified, sure, et sure. cetera, et cetera, and you know, Medicaid um, is a perfect, sure the, what's they're that? They're just making sure the names match. That's right. That's, That's right. Huh. Versus for example, a credit card, you notice an inaccurate charge immediately, you call the bank, they take it off, you get a new card, right? Well, or, like, like we were saying, there's systems for those things in place. That's right. right. Interesting. Also, mm. what complicates is um, the patient's record is for life. Right. Mm -hmm. You cannot destroy it, you cannot change it, you, it has to stay for life right. of the patient. Yeah, mm -hmm. makes it a lot more uh, high high risk yeah. importance. Yeah. It is interesting, and and I, I think this is an important area to to just kind of watch and see how it develops over time. Cool. Mm -hmm. You All right. were also traveling. I was also traveling, yeah. So uh, we've been doing these user group things, which have been awesome and, I think, very successful and a lot of fun to be at. We did one in Seattle. We did one in Nashville, Tennessee. We just, gosh, last week, I guess, week before, uh, did one in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it was awesome. We had uh, 51 people set up, had 41 people show up, which is a killer attendance record. That's a great turnout. Yeah, yeah, really, really solid. We had more folks sign up like the day of and show up to, to hang out and talk That's and that great. kind of stuff. It was really good. We geeked out about uh, some of the rum stuff that Ryan built, which has continued to be a crowd favorite. Talked about dashboarding and some of the things you can do to help get up to speed on ExtraHop. Had a couple of really cool customers present, which was super cool. And we were able to uh, talk about a lot of the different things that people were looking for. Uh, one of the things I always try and get out of these groups is not just, hey, here's a pitch for us about, you know, what we need to do and what we're currently doing and new technology coming out or solutions and stuff. It's, hey, what what do you as a customer, as a user, as a potential user want? What what is you what is it you need out of this? Um, and it was really cool. We got a lot of good feedback. What were some of the things that they were looking for? So a lot of folks were looking for ways to automate stuff and mm -hmm. kind of split into really two main groups, right? There's the one group that is super successful already. They use the platform, they know it, they love it. They're, they're kind of uh, extra hop ninjas, as it were, and they're looking for ways to automate things. Saw some really cool stuff about automation of uh, dashboarding and automation of trigger development and all of this kind of stuff where they're able to take one person that knows the platform intimately and leverage them to be effective like several folks would be normally and kind of help train other people to be part of that team. And it was really cool. The other group is very much the kind of 101 users. The We have the platform that's installed. We don't quite know what we're going to do with it yet. We use it for break-fix stuff right now, but that's about it. Um, and there was this whole push to kind of try and help get them the aha moment, right? That light bulb that goes, wait a minute, I can see how this delivers value on a more common basis, on not just break-fix, kind of outside of ops. How do I get operationalized with the platform, yeah. right? And I think that actually ties into something that I know we wanted to talk more about today, which is uh, how you can leverage the people that you already have and make them more successful. How can you operationalize better? Um, because honestly, people are starting, your budgets are stretched. You Always. never have enough resources. Um, so I think you said it perfectly. It's like up-leveling your tier one support guys to make tier two and tier three decisions. You can't have everyone know Wireshark intimately, right? Yeah. Well, how, how many people do you have on staff that can get down and dirty into a, a actual PCAP and figure out what's been happening on a network and be able to do that with accuracy and uh, alacrity, right? How, how mm -hmm. fast can they do that and what kind of a resource dump is it to try and get them to do it? Mm -hmm. 
if there are ways that you can make that more visible, easier to interpret. So like you're saying, that the level one engineers that don't have 15 years of experience tearing through those things can get some of the same information out of it. That's massively powerful, right? Yeah, and at the same time too, it's, I mean, this spreads across not just protocols, but applications. Um, how many people are experts in both web, database, security, healthcare? Fix. Yeah, it's uh, like your all. LDAP environment. Like mm -hmm. all of these different technologies, really, if, uh, if you had the money and the time, you'd want an expert in all of them to build a really robust system. Mm -hmm. And the chances of that are basically zero. Yeah, right. And, unless you're a super large enterprise, at which point then you get into scaling and complexity. I was going to say, because even then you might have a person or two for each of those things, mm -hmm. but the chances of having enough people for each of those things, again, slim to none. Yeah, sometimes you have smart people that just don't have experience in a specific thing. Like, I use OpenLDAP about every three or four years. Every, every time I do it, I have to look at the man page for LDAP right. search and screw around with it, and I don't want to have to do that. Yep. It's not that I you know, am not experienced, I just don't do it very often. So. Having something that helps you do that a little quicker. Yeah. So one of the themes, themes we've been talking about at the user groups, and thank you, Chris, like you were saying, one of the themes that we've been talking about as a team, certainly, but really as an organization as well, is how do we help kind of up-level those people? How do we surface the information and value that's already inherent in the network data, in the wire data that's being transferred between systems? And we've kind of come up with this concept, right? Like the team's been working on this thing for a while. One of the ways that we're trying to help approach this problem is by releasing kind of an essentials package where we can say, hey, we know that you want to know more about these protocols or these applications, and we've developed some, some tools, some dashboards to start with and that kind of stuff that you can install in a box out of the gate. You can get some pretty solid data about whether it's email or databases or you know those sorts of things, the RUM stuff, some of these things that are really, really useful out of the gate that you can kind of get a baseline and see some of the value of what the platform can do and also a lot of value just by allowing people that don't know the protocols or the applications as intimately as some other high-level engineers to mm -hmm. immediately get value. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the key right there is, you know, first off identifying is something broken. <coughs> How broken is it? Who's affected? But then, you know, tying meaning to that yeah. in a very digestible form. Yeah. So that Huge. someone that doesn't know, you know, what a SIFS error actually means can see, you know, well, this person's affected by it and these are the repercussions. And so, you know, and giving them, an, a, you know, a, a very concrete way to uh, remediate the, yeah. the problem. That's right. So one of the one of the big goals of this effort was rather than just regurgitating the parsed details out of the protocols and then making the user have to understand it and take action and make conclusions on it. Um, what, we're, what we're trying to do really is take that data and distill it down to the important things and surfacing things along with um, guidance as to if you see this value above this or if the ratio looks like this, here's what it implies, here's what you should look at, and here's the kind of changes that you should potentially make. And, we, and we've done that for, for lots of common protocols. I think. Yeah, exactly. There's a big difference between parsing and interpreting, mm -hmm. right? right? And we're kind of trying to help bridge that gap. Yep. A lot of things have historically been good at parsing, and, and we certainly do this as a platform. We parse things extraordinarily well. It's all out of the box for a lot of the common protocols. That's a no-brainer. But that 
again, requires that you have expertise. You have to know, well, what does it mean when I get these RTOs? What does it mean when I have How many this? are bad? Yeah, what, yeah. what is an RTO? Is it bad? How many are bad? On which protocol? For which application? How many servers do I have in that cluster? How many should I be worried about? What's the ratio to yeah. RTOs versus requests versus this whole myriad of questions to ask, right? Like what do you do if that's occurring? You know? Yeah, what, what's, the, what's the potential cause? What's the potential solution? Who do I contact? All of that stuff. We're helping, hoping, we're hoping to help that's terrible. Uh, take some of the guesswork out of that, right? So that out of the box, you can already get some value by having this interpreted layer of data where we're saying, okay, here's what we're seeing. Here's what that probably means. Here's the things that you might want to do about that, whether it's positive or negative. And you can kind of start at that point rather than having to start at the deciphering things phase, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. on, the, on, sorry. No, on the Citrix one, a lot of it was, you know, if you have problems, RTOs, and these things on the client end, Citrix, Citrix is probably being blamed for that, but it, you're involving the wrong team if you're doing that. Right. So really, you know, turning the, the focus to where it needs to be rather than uh, who it typically falls on. Yeah, stop the... Stop the uh, while well, use chase before it starts, right? I, I love that concrete example. Are there some other concrete examples from these dashboards that you guys just like think are really cool? Any particularly interesting thing? I mean, most of us here have built some of these dashboards. Anything that stands out out of the stuff that you've built that was interesting? We've had some unique comments with the cloud application one. So this is monitoring, um, you know, cloud applications or shadow IT that are running, that your users are running in your environment. And uh, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people have deployed that, and they've had that moment where they're like, I thought so, or right. I figured this was going on, you know, or these users hammering YouTube all day long, or Spotify, or one thing or another. So there's actually a really cool use case from that came out of that uh, Cloud App bundle, which was uh, hospitals that the surgeons were listening to Pandora in the operating room, and the IT administrators actually had to crack down on that because they can be hammered because it would be considered as part of the service. And so technically you were paying for Pandora usage. <laughs> and so they actually had wow. a few. They were monitoring for Pandora usage and we were able to call out which specific consoles were used for playing music wow. during operations. Unreal. And it was something where they said we were having trouble tracking down who was using it during, mm -hmm. at what at points what, in yeah. time. And so this way they could actually talk to specific individuals and say, hey, we need you to stop, and here's why. Wow, I hadn't even heard that yet. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, yeah. it's intriguing. Another one that I, I mean, I like it because I built it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like all these examples are going to be like, oh, it's because I built it. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Right. Um, yeah. But breaking down cipher suites and why specific cipher suites are bad so, for example, things that open you up to man in the middle or don't that don't actually provide encryption mm -hmm. um, and actually educating you on what each part of the cipher suite is. So it actually explains when you're signing your message and all of that. Um, it really, I think, for the end user is very informative, especially if encryption isn't something that they spend their time uh, reading about day in and day out. And again, a lot of people don't. This is, I think, encryption, one of the reasons this is, I think, going to be very popular and powerful is that encryption is a thing that all of us need, all of us use, and very few of us spend time truly focused mm -hmm. on. People don't have resource, people, companies generally don't have a lot of resources to throw at managing certs and keys, managing expirations, managing levels of encryption and security, and they do once there's some kind of an issue. Yeah, but going into it, they don't yeah. spend time ahead of repercussions when you don't. It's definitely a lot of blind trust. And, yeah. and being yeah. able to see some of that off the bat is huge. Yeah, well, and it also opens you up to, I mean, 
uh, talking about compliance, like there are all sorts of different standards of which if you don't use, or if you use SSL v3 or TLS 1.0, you're actually breaking, uh, I think, DSI? Yeah, that's like, right. Uh, if you have to be compliant. If you have to be compliant, right. you will get fined if That's they right. catch you using those protocols. Or worse. Or, or worse, yes. yes. Contracts worse. can be broken and all kinds yep. of stuff. Fine was, is the best of, of those scenarios. Sure. Yeah. So this is this is a thing that our team has been working on. It's a company-wide mm-hmm. focus going forward, all that kind of stuff. What's the Where do we find this? It's not available sure. today. What's the plan for this? Can we tell well, folks, all the both people listening out there, <laughs> where do they go get a hold of this? There's a chance... That if you're listening to this, you might already have them because we've given it to our SEs to use for new for new installs and to revisit existing customers. But we haven't made it publicly available yet. Um, within the next few weeks, certainly by the end of of October, it's my goal to have them published on our bundle site. So um, we mentioned a couple of them here. Actually, the one that Terry mentioned about uh, cloud apps. Is going to be in its own bundle that we that we publish, but the rest of these or most of these are going to be in what we're calling the essentials bundle. So they're they're essential dashboards. Um, some of them include a trigger or so to get a really high value thing, but most of them are just just taking the information we already have, reflecting it, and explaining what you know what you're seeing. So they should be very easy to install and get using. And uh, they're kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, nice. you, know, you don't have to go read. 40 pages of a manual to figure out what to do with them. They kind of walk you through it in themselves. Yep. Right? Yeah. The cool. quickest way to get them right now, though, is just become a customer. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Terry well said. Always be closing. <laughs> Always yeah. be closing. Um, well, we'll make sure that once they go out, you won't have to look for them. We'll, we'll make sure there's just blog posts and forum posts, and it'll be very obvious. We'll ring the bell pretty loud yep. when, when they go out because we're, we're happy about them. Um, all right, we've been chattering for a while, so let's wrap this thing up. Uh, any closing comments, remarks, events coming up, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, I think you're traveling. Yeah, so uh, I, I was going to mention that if no one else did, but I didn't want to just jump out there. So um, next month, uh, November 3rd, we have a user group local to the Boston area. So if you're anywhere near Boston, we're going to go hang out, have some beers, have some food, and talk extra hot platform geekiness. Mm-hmm. Feel free to come join us. We'd love to see you and chat. Uh, other than that, I know we've been we the Royal We as a company have been at several trade shows recently, including we were at Reinvent earlier yep. this week. Uh, I know we're at Infosec. I think is going Coming on up. right now yeah. in yeah. the UK. Um, I'm not sure what else is coming up, but I'm sure there's something. We're kind of in the second push for yep for sure. Uh, it's that time of year. Yeah, trade there's some smaller smaller trade shows over on the East Coast, um, all centered around healthcare. There's one uh, coming up at the end of October in Atlantic City, uh, one in Virginia, uh, Williamsburg, and then another one in D.C. And you can go meet Terry at some of these. Go meet a couple. You're going to be yeah. there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, attending, talking about healthcare goodness. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. It's been awesome chatting again. We will be back in a couple more weeks with more goodness from the war room. Until then, Thanks take care. Do the clicking now. <laughs> it's on your calendar. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> Who put the question mark in the teleprompter? <laughs> and now some jazz flute. <laughs> jazz flute. <laughs>